Hi everybody, it's Matt Carlin here from Just Pro Wrestling News with something a little different for your weekend. A special podcast, a chat for about 30 minutes or so with our friend Antonio Garza from TheWrestlingRevolution.com. Uh, you also find his writing on uh, Impact Wrestling on F4WOnline.com. Uh, in this podcast, we do discuss Impact, we discuss Ring of Honor, we discuss New Japan, we discuss other promotions in Japan, including Stardom and the big match over there not too long ago. So uh, let's get right to that conversation. Check it out. You see any good wrestling lately? Yes. There's an open-ended question <laughs> for you to start with. Yes. Uh, stardom. I saw the Gaia Ism show from like two weeks ago. Uh, I watched the really good DDT, King of DDT tournament match. Uh, there's there's a lot of good wrestling all around right now. Feels like we're in a little bit of a desert with the uh, with the major feds, especially in the states. Mm-hmm. You know, Dynamite's on its weekend deal for like the last month. But it's interesting. You mentioned Stardom. I know we we're supposed to talk about Impact. I don't care. We'll talk about Stardom because this is like the most hyped <laughs> match in. Uh, maybe since the, the I, I'll, I'll say that the, the last Stardom match that got my attention, and uh, I can't even say that I saw it, was the one where Julia got her hair, got her head shaved. Yes. And I thought it was brilliant that they did that because it got, it, I felt like that was a match that would get eyes on them that would not normally have checked them out. The Utami Hayashishita versus Suri match, my understanding is that it was the first five star or plus because it was five and a half match that Meltzer had given I believe since 1993 ish to women to women to women and that includes all your uh hashtag women's evolution your women's revolution your women's uh whatever else ocean uh that includes like the rest of like Tokyo Joshi and stardom what they have done in the previous years uh, it came to Tami Hayashishita versus Yuri, who got the first five star in a long, long time. All right, so you saw that match, yes. Um, and I've I've heard about it. It, it sounds like it was a. It, it sounds like the kind of match where the booking is the, the booking is such that it should have upset people, but it didn't upset many people who saw the match. Yes, I think it's. I think it's a match that worked because we hadn't seen something like that in a long time. Uh, there was a match last year between Takashi Sugiura and Fujita. And it was, no, it was Gocho Saki and Fujita. And they went 30 minutes just looking at each other. They didn't touch. They didn't even move. Mm-hmm. And like, if you see that match on paper, you're like, what the hell is this? Like, this shouldn't work. But like because it had never been done and because it shouldn't be done again until like 2030, <laughs> I think it was like a great match. And I think it's similar to, to what happened here with Hayashita and Suri. They gave us a booking that if this had happened in the U.S., I think uh, it would have been completely shut on. But because it doesn't happen often and it doesn't happen often definitely in stardom and the match itself was paced so that the action kind of like left you wanting more and then they gave you more and then like they got to the finish and i think that's why it worked that's why uh 
it was kind of like the perfect formula happening at the perfect time. And I think that's why we got this match. Just to be clear, they went time limit draw for 30 yes. minutes. Then they went into an overtime and did a double knockout. Yes, at Correct? minute okay. 13, I think. Right. And, and like the magic here is that Stardom usually has 30 minute time limits and we've seen many time limit uh, draws in the past. And so it's not uncommon to get to that point and see a time limit draw and say like, oh, okay, I understand. Like this is going to be it. The show's not over because th- we still had to do the, the, the winner, the princess of the, the tournament champion crowning, mm-hmm. um, Sayaka Mitani one. And so I think it was kind of like, okay, I think this is where we're at. They still have more. They can do a rematch. But then you have like two really passionate, completely banged up women asking for more time. Mm-hmm. And we are given 30 more minutes. And at that point, like you, you would think that, like sometimes we see other uh, matches that go into overtime. Like for instance, Josh Alexander and, and TJP. Once they went into overtime, they kind of slowed down a little bit because they knew they have to go a little bit more. Uh, but these two women, they just went fry Takayama like in the <laughs> middle of the ring, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's and, and they went just like like again like hundred miles per hour and. And so the crowd is hot. The, the energy is hot. Like at the end, when you see the double knockout, and I think that's probably the most controversial thing because it's a double knockout at minute 43. Mm-hmm. I think if you saw the whole match and you saw the intensity and how stiff the both women were, the level of impact the, the, the moves had, like you get to minute 43 and, and they fall down and they cannot answer the call and you're like, yeah, I, I can completely understand this is happening uh, because we're not accustomed to seeing them go beyond 30 minutes. And so it's it's kind of similar to when we saw also uh, Omega versus Okada, like the really long ones, mm-hmm. where we would get to the, those points where Okada would go for the Rainmaker and Omega would just like fall to the floor because he can't even stand. And you're like, yeah, I mean, we're, we're closing in on minute 60. I think it's understandable <laughs> that Omega cannot stand anymore. Yeah. And so I think it was similar here. Like we just saw like so much intensity that by minute 43, I think it was just like the perfect payoff. And it's going to leave us all hungry for an actual 60 minute match uh, where there's no time limits. And hopefully we get uh, an actual winner. Um, so Siri has a, from what I heard, she has like an MMA background. She was a, a non traditional background, I guess, is maybe the right way to say it. Or, Suri is a legit fighter, she fought for UFC. Um, and Hayashishita is uh judoka, I think she has a judo background, so they're both like trained. Like, uh, something else that doesn't probably get mentioned a lot, but I think we need to point out that Hayashishita is less than three years into the industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure how old she is. But she's not that old. She's twenty three or twenty four. Yeah, uh, and she's yeah. Th- she's three years into the business. There are people in major promotions, both in Japan, Mexico, and and the United States, who have been in developmental for maybe seven or eight years. Yeah, and they still wouldn't be able to make it to the openers of Stardom. And so I, I think, like, I don't remember if Hayashishita won Rookie of the Year her year. But I think 
retrospectively we should go back and give it to her <laughs> because oh my god like she is amazing well let me here's the first kind of one of the first thoughts i had when i saw all these race a lot of attention is this is this match is this match the uh, the okada tanahashi for stardom how about that i I think it, so in the, in the sense of getting eyes and getting attention from people. I I don't know if Hayashijita and Suri is going to be a rivalry like Omega and Okada was. Uh, but I do think that this match may put Suri in a main event position where she's going to be seen as a top presser. I think she's currently the SWA champion, which is kind of like this, a third champion from the top uh, mm-hmm. the, the title it's supposed to be like the title got, gets defended against uh, foreigners uh, with, a, with a pandemic they haven't really been defending that title that much and so I think at this point Sudi elevated herself to be like up there now uh, she's she's there with the Julius with the Watani with Hayashishita and with Tom Nakano um, so just getting a little more broad <laughs> we're talking about the Japanese scene um, New Japan obviously got most of the attention for a long time, for a lot of years. It feels to me as a, as a, I feel like I'm the definition of the casual, you know, who is, who's just, I'm consuming New Japan pretty regularly. Mm-hmm. A lot of the other promotions, it's hard for me to, to get access to it and just to get into, I try to watch where I can. I've caught a few Noah shows this year. That's kind of been my breakthrough, but what do you think about, do you feel like, um, the, the 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 next tier of Japanese promotions like Noah and Dragon Gate and Stardom, do you feel like they're breaking through more uh, with more fans, especially like in the U.S.? Yes, well, there's different reasons though, because like for instance, Stardom had a lot of attention. Um, like in the last years, they came to a WrestleMania weekend, and and they got a lot of attention there. Uh, in the last. It was like two, maybe, yeah, like two years of Wrestle Kingdom, like uh, weekends or weeks. A lot of people have made an effort to go to stardom. So I think stardom does have some attention. I think being like joining Bushy Road has helped them to get like bigger stages, pay-per-views. And so now they just look like a bigger deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's that's what's helping them. Uh, I do still think that Stardom is like the best booked promotion right now. I think all of the wrestlers have something going on for them. And I think that makes a lot of difference because if you compare it to any other, any other promotion, you tend to see like ups and downs. As for the rest of the promotions, I think there's a combination of AW helped Tokyo Joshi and DDT a lot uh, because like bringing in people like uh, Makito and Yuka Sakasaki, it mm-hmm. exposed some of the women there. Uh, like, for instance, right now, there's news that Yuka Sakasaki is coming back to the U.S. for AEW. So I think that helps a lot. Um, DDT, they don't necessarily have a lot of people traveling back and forward. But now there is the idea that, oh, Omega used to be in this place called DDT. And they have this title that was once won by the Young Bucks's book or, or a ladder. And so I, I think those yeah. things, <laughs> like, people start to notice. Um and I, I feel like like the, the getting into DDT is is like it, it requires extra effort. 
um, <laughs> for a fan who's not familiar with DDT. Like, uh, like the first time you hear about what they're doing over there, you're kind of just like, what in the hell is happening? Um, I mean, I, I think people understand that this is, is sometimes a, a more lighthearted uh, presentation mm-hmm. from them. But I think it, with anything, when it comes to Japanese promotions, there's going to be barriers, whether it's language or, you know, just whatever, you know, sometimes the, the, the styles don't necessarily translate super easily to, you know, the American audiences. Yeah. But I think DUT is even more so a difficult uh, bridge to cross for a lot of fans. Yeah, I think especially in the U.S., we're so accustomed to think that wrestling has to be serious and sports-like and all that stuff that we have promotions, like even Lucha Libre, like a lot of people in the U.S. watch Lucha Libre and they, they think like it's more dancing, it's more fake, because a lot of the spots tend to look like way. Uh, and I think it's similar to, to GDT or even Tokyo Joshi, who, who have like all the idol uh, characters like they have the girl at Neko who looks like a cat mm-hmm. uh, and yeah and DDT definitely has that comedy aspect and and I understand it I like I understand people not wanting to see comedy in their wrestling <laughs> uh, well that level of comedy I, I, I think I think people like even people who say they don't want comedy in their wrestling still like will appreciate comedy in their wrestling there there's i mean there's different levels of comedy there can be you know mm-hmm. you could be watching a match in, uh, on like blood sport you know and, and they're in their bang 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 you know the whole way and if they just had that one little moment where you know something happens and the person just reacts in the moment and does something that's a little bit lighthearted, then that really works um it could still i mean like, I, I guess what i'm saying is that it can all work you know different layers of comedy so yeah, but I, I like to see it like Cole Cabana. He established his whole career based on a character whose style is comedy, but comedy in itself is a style that can get you to victories. And that's kind of like how I like to see it. Like we have people who are grapplers, we have people who are high flyers, and we have people who use like the comedic, uh, like trickery side of, of fighting, you know? And that's how I like to see it. Um, but yeah, like, it, it definitely depends on also on, on the promotion. Like if you have Bloodsport bringing in like Orange Cassidy or I don't know, like Antonio Honda from, from DDT, you're going to be like, huh, this is completely different from what you're trying to present yourself. You're trying to tell me that like these guys are legit fighters and then you bring orange cassidy and he's completely not See, i mean to me that's always that's always the good move by the promoter it's got to be the mover like if you're at a restaurant and uh you're looking at the menu and you see all the food that you expect to see on a menu at a restaurant and then you see something that's so weird just two foods or two or three foods that just should not in your mind go together <laughs> you're like they wouldn't serve this they wouldn't offer this unless it's good so if you were like blood sports gonna have orange cassidy versus chris dickinson and you're just yeah. like they shouldn't be doing this but they wouldn't be doing it unless it was gonna work so yeah like that's it, one way the, it's kind of like the freak show aspect like it's going to sell tickets for sure yeah uh but will it sell tickets the next show if you do yeah. it again stuff like that you gotta be careful that's where yeah. you have to be smart 
Okay, yeah, sure. I'm sorry I dragged you down that road for so long. <laughs> uh, we, I swore that we were going to talk about Impact because, um, you know, I've been consuming Impact Wrestling on a weekly basis uh, for months and months now. And yeah. you, of course, are, you know, internet, the internet's most trusted voice when it comes to Impact Wrestling, um, Impact Traffic Report and all that good stuff. The, um, we had you on the Wrestling Mayhem show. Yes. We had an offhand comment about Kenny Omega. <laughs> you said something very unkind about him. And I just wanted to follow up on that because if you really do feel that way, I understand. But I just wanted to like, let's just, just, just throw this out there. Kenny Omega, Impact Wrestling. Where are you on this right now? How, yeah. how are you feeling about it? So my comment back then was go back to your FN company and leave us alone. <laughs> Give us back our title. Yeah. My, my, my problem with Omega, it really started the day he, he came to Impact. And it was because for almost 2020, uh, yeah, almost all of 2020, they have been building Moose versus Swan as kind of like a collision course. Like Moose did the whole he got the TNA championship and he defended it against a bunch of people. And he was just doing his thing with uh, EC3. Rich Swan did his whole other thing. Uh, you know, the injury stuff, then coming back, Eric Young, uh, all that stuff. And it really kind of felt like we're heading into a collision course of Rich Swan and Moose and nothing can stop it. And to me, that was going to happen at uh, Hard to Kill, which was the first pay-per-view of the year. And then... Kenny Omega comes in mm-hmm. and I felt like a year's worth of plans and booking just completely fall out because the AW guy wanted to uh, win championships and, and someone in impact was willing to accommodate that request. No. Yeah. And it, it makes total sense. Like business wise, it is a fantastic move because I don't know how much it has really helped, but it definitely helped uh, just having Kenny Omega, like show your title and then come to the shows. I think it helps. Likewise with um, Finjuice taking the championships to New Japan and then cutting promos about the championships over there. Like, it helps. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, so- that, was, that, that, was, that was a big deal for me. Like, I, I expected, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people did, that when Finjuice won those tag titles, there would be, like, one done, you know, back to Japan. But instead, they retain them, they take them back to Japan, they come back. Yeah. Uh, and it ended up being a really cool run. So Yeah, I, I thought so, too. I thought... Like business wise, it just makes perfect sense. Like to me, my Omega was just like a matter of he kind of derailed storylines for a whole year. <laughs> and, and so like that kind of bothered me. Um, and at this point, it's kind of just like running through a gauntlet of the top guys in impact until we get to the point where Omega is eligible to lose championships and then we can change the championship. So you're not expecting Sammy Callahan to, to do the thing. I am not expecting. I, I, I no. mean, my mind is open. I, 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 I feel like I'm ready for this to end. Um, yes. I agree I, and, with that. I, and I feel like it's, it's, it, it, I feel like it's kind of dragged down AEW a bit. Um, I don't feel like impact has been that hurt, but uh, I was a little bummed out to see them use Moose as the challenger at the last show and the name escapes me at the moment but it was the impact plus exclusive which hurts the match because you just don't feel like you're going to get 
you know, a title change there. If they had done Moose and Omega at Slammiversary coming up, I feel like the buzz for it would have been, would be very strong because I feel like Moose was the one guy they have on the roster that can be like, I'm the guy who's going to beat Omega. But now yeah. that Omega has gotten through Moose, I'm looking at the rest of the guys. And I know like, you know, Eddie Edwards, you know, people chiming in with that. And then there's a, you know, there's that tier of, you know, younger guys who probably are not ready today but might be ready in three months. Um, And you're kind of, I'm kind of like, this needs, this needs to end. I don't know if Sammy's got, he could be though. Uh, I think he's done a good job of kind of convincing people that he's the guy, but yeah. Well, because of your feeling uh, after the against all odds match, I, I do think that it's going to end up being Moose. And I, that's why that's the reason also that I wasn't bothered by the finish. It was a completely like crap finish. <laughs> I even joked that this doesn't happen on impact. This is an AW thing. <laughs> uh, but um, I think that's the, that was a good thing about that finish. It protects Moose in a way that come bound for glory. Moose can be a full baby face and take the title from Omega in a rematch in Moose's uh, hometown, or not hometown, but like home field, because this was in, in AWs. Now the next one should be in Impacts. And so there is a, a light at the end of the tunnel, and I think mm-hmm. it's positive. Uh, but I do kind of agree, like, it it just kind of feels like going through the motions. And I think it like the motions are really Swan, Callahan, Moose, and Eddie Edwards. Like, any of the X Division guys, I just don't think they're there. Uh, and like Willie Mack and W. Morrissey, like, no, of course not. I don't want to see no, that. Let's not, no, let's not even entertain Morrissey because yeah, it, it has to be, let's not, don't entertain Morrissey, don't entertain Joe Doring because it has to be an impact guy. Yeah, exactly, 100%. You know? And so I, I agree. I, my problem is that I think just politics-wise, Omega's not going to lose the title until he loses the AEW one. And so I am expecting that's also going to happen at All Out. Okay. So I think that would work perfectly to lose the AW title at All Out. And then I think Bountiful Glory would be like a month after. And so he can lose that title too. What about Triple Mania? That one's a tricky one because I think that one's happening before All Out. Yeah, Um, I think that's August. Yes. I mean, it could, you never know with Mexico, things could happen, but yeah. yeah. Well, the, the, I think the trick here is that Andrade is already part of the AW roster. Yeah. And so they can play around with that feud too in AW and not just be like, oh, like a, a Mexican guy who cannot get a win back uh, got the title. So I think they can play around with that. I think that one's easier. What do you think about the, I, I, I feel like Impact's booking overall has been really good, uh, especially compared to when when me and a lot of people really started paying close attention when Omega first started showing up, those first episodes where they had Omega on, it just felt like he was shoehorned in, mm-hmm. you know, these little backstage segments. It was kind of absurd. But as time has gone on, um, the focus of the of the booking has really has really kind of impressed me. I I really like the way they kind of progress things and the way they you know pivot people to different feuds. I really like the way they book their knockouts like there always seems to be like at least three solid storylines going you know for the knockouts which is more than you could say for just about any other fed going right now yeah. um 
what do you do? do I, it sounds like you kind of agree with that. I 100% agree. Uh, they kind of just keep things simple. Yeah. Like Impact still has that rotating door that people come in and out all the time. And so I think it's been pretty simple to keep consistency. It helps that they tape a bunch of episodes in the same like week or weekend. Yeah. And so you don't have people coming in and out. Like if you miss the tapings, like for instance, Taylor Wilde missed the last tapings. And so we haven't seen her in a while, in a wild. <laughs> um, like, I don't know if she's going to challenge for the title for the Amparasa, but like, um, like the, at least the week to week consistency is stay there. Uh, and then they've just kind of like managed to get a couple of guys or gals uh, for each division. And then they just rotate between them. They bring them up and down. Uh, they definitely had have slowed down on the comedy shtick. Like yeah. we haven't seen any more Wrestle House. The like they do Swingers Palace mm -hmm. or Paradise like every now and then, but it's just like a two minute thing, and it's to set up whatever random match on, on BTI. So it, it yeah, it seems like they use it just to as a different uh as a change of pace to set up a, an undercard match yeah they need exactly. to use it um it, it it you know i could deal with two minutes of swingers palace every week yeah uh, for but sure. you're right they have scaled that back like there have been like adjustments that they've made at, over time yeah um during this omega run uh and it's been interesting to see them do that um all right so i was talking about this next tier of guys um if we uh if we can't find someone to beat Omega in the near future, the next tier of guys. Everyone loves Josh Alexander. Um, I'll lump um, if I had to lump in the uh, the prospects beyond uh, Alexander. I I also like Trey Miguel and I like uh, Chris Bay going okay. forward. I love all three of those guys. Alexander though is really cooking right now. Uh, yeah. He's getting a lot of attention. Yeah, Alexander. Unfortunately, I feel like it's going to be one of those guys that is growing so much that as soon as the contract is over uh japan aw like especially aw because they can reunite the north mm -hmm. i think they're going to be shooting for him so uh i think right now impact is in let's enjoy him while we can type of mode well i mean if if alexander decides that you know what this singles thing is pretty awesome i maybe yeah. i don't want to go to aew and, and yeah. where inevitably i'm going to reteam with ethan page uh maybe you know he can get it i, I mean impact has I, I mean they've got Jordan Grace resigned. That was a big deal. Uh, it sounds like they've got Moose resigned. I keep seeing, you know, reports from the sheets. Um, that's not bad. I mean, you know, it's not just, uh, it, that's certainly, you know, you know, if you're an impact fan and you're worried about them just being the revolving door um, instead of the forbidden door, um, that's got to make you feel a little bit better to see guys like that. Um, a guy and a girl like that stick around. Yeah, um, and, and I think and, if they were going to make a play to keep anyone, you know, Alexander feels like a guy that's worth the trouble. Yeah, Impact kind of feels like they managed to keep their people as long as like there's something to do with them. Like Taya Valkyrie, she was with Impact for a long time. She was champion. She had feuds with Tessa, with Rosemary. She went and did like the heel face, the baby face, face, the mm -hmm. comedy face. And then once she was done with everything and you, you start to see as a fan, like, I don't think she has much left. Yeah. That's when she's like, time to go somewhere else. And I think it kind of works like that. Like Ethan Page in a way did the same. Like he had 
like the year plus long reign. After that, it's like there's not much I can do, like other than maybe re regaining the championships. And so it's okay to go into a different direction. And I think they have been pretty good at, at doing that. Um, so, yeah, like I think they do have the power to retain a lot of people. I think they do put money into retaining certain people. And there is positive there. Um, but yeah, like I, I could totally see Alexander liking the singles thing. I think he's going to really enjoy New Japan. And if the border opens up, I can totally see him going for a best of the super juniors or even like maybe like a never open weight stuff. I, and, I mean, that was that, that, I mean, w w when they said he was going to be on, on strong, I was just like, Oh, yes, oh, yes, yes, yes. I, every once in a while they, they, they bring somebody in on, under that show and you're just like, Oh, this is going to be great. I can't wait. Yeah. For this. Yeah. I totally agree with that. That, that show has been a blast to watch. Yeah, uh, that and I hate the fact that there's no one in that building watching it because they have put on their matches. I, I it's just it's such a pleasant show to watch for me. Uh, and I've really gotten into like Fred Rosser, I, obviously, has been awesome on that show. Uh, and even some of the other guys, I, I like watching the uh, the young lines, the LA Dojo guys, uh, yes. doing their thing, and uh, and of course, uh, Filthy Tom. Yeah, I mean. Danny it's Limelight, a, you guys like that. I mean, it, yeah. it's it's a good crew. I like it's it. It's such a simple show to watch. It's not long. The storylines are pretty basic. They're just like, yeah, either you win or you lose, and there's a championship that you want to win. And yeah, like also like people come in and out. The people who usually comes in, you're like, you either know they're good and you want to see them do their thing, or you're like, or like like Fred Rosser, you see him come in, and you're like, huh, let's yeah. see what you got. And, and yeah. I don't think we've seen that, like, we, I don't think we've had that feeling of let's see what you got in a long time, maybe like four or five years when people were getting released and they could go to like to PWG, like that type of feel. And I think New Japan right now is giving, giving us that. There's like this, um, there's this wave of, I don't know if wave is the right word, but these, there's this group of former WWE guys who it feels like whether it's, you know, just timing of when they ended up leaving the company or whatnot that they never really got a fair shot on the indies and, you know, the, the, the structure of the pro wrestling landscape in the United States, which is not in a good place at that time. Uh, I'm, you know, thinking about some of the guys who have popped up on, uh, on, in the NWA, like JTG uh, is a guy who just showed up like, like, where have you been? Uh, yeah. You know, he looks great. He's, you know, he seems to be doing well. And Fred Ross is another guy. You're just like, Man, you know, what were we missing here? You know, because he's uh yeah, he's been so much fun. Yeah, I agree. Like there there was that time like before the pandemic and before NXT where a lot of people would get released and because they were coming from the WWE, like people from Ring of Honor wouldn't accept them. And so they had so much travel to really show what they had. And I think we yeah. probably missed on like years of like good wrestlers that just weren't able to go to a promotion like Ring of Honor or PWG and show that they actually cared about wrestling. And they eventually yeah. just kind of got lost in the shuffle or they came back to WWE and they, they did another, I don't know, 10 years of uh, nothingness. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, a lot it's, of Zach, Zach Ryder uh, storyline right there, career arc. 
Um, yeah. Have you gotten a chance to see any uh, Ring of Honor lately? Not really. I okay. tried getting into the the Women of Honor Wednesdays. Yeah. But like the plates right now are just way too full. There's just so much wrestling going on. And Ring of Honor is not, it's not that easily accessible unless you have unless you have it like on your TV. Yeah. Uh, and so I just haven't been able to keep up. Like every now and then I try to at least keep up with some like videos and highlights, but that's about it. They, they've done a good job of just kind of like keeping themselves, keeping the energy going. Um, the, yeah. the YouTube shows, the YouTube offerings have, have really stepped up. I, I like the direction. Their, their weekly TV is, has been just a huge improvement from where it was uh, pre-pandemic. I, I, was, I was not enjoying their, their weekly TV, not because I didn't enjoy the wrestling. It was just like the, the, the presentation to me was just, it just wasn't. I don't know. It just didn't have any kind of character or feel and it all felt, you know, the, the, this just, you know, in a vacuum could have happened today, could have happened a year ago kind of matches. Now it feels like when you watch their weekly TV, you're getting progression. They're, you know, giving you storylines more often. Um, yeah. And like I said, their YouTube stuff during the week has been pretty good. And if I, I, I was single out that Jonathan Gresham is awesome. Yes. <laughs> the pure rules. Okay. As someone who is who was not a original um, Ring of Honor uh, viewer, uh, I did not see you know the pure title in its previous life. Yeah. So all the pure rules stuff is brand new to me, and I've told this story before on on other podcasts. And just like the the first time they rolled out this match, and I was watching, I was they they were laying out the rules. It's like a full screen of text. You know, Rick Afani's <laughs> running through the rules. I'm like, this, this isn't going to work. This isn't going to work. But it worked. Yes. Um, they, they do such a good job. The wrestlers and, and the commentary do such a good job of just taking those, those little tweaks to the match, those little rules, you know, closed fists, and rope breaks, and just wringing every little ounce out of them to the point where like by the end of those matches it's it's fantastic because there's always you know putting some twist on the rules because they can't do a rope break or you know all this other stuff it's just yeah. it's fantastic i really like it that, that used to be the magic of ring of honor like 10 years ago because they were so focused on honor that like on a company like like wide like picture like they used to have something as simple as Oh my God! Christopher Daniels doesn't follow the code of honor. He doesn't <laughs> he shake, shake the, his hand. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't shake like, the hand, and like that—that that created like so much character for someone like him, or like uh, the whole homicide in Cole Cabana. I feel like oh, Cole Cabana, he's he's like a villain. Like he's not he's serious now. And so I always thought that the pure rules uh, title and the match itself was just like a uh, super like compact version of the whole Ring of Honor mentality put into one single match because again you had like it was legit like you have all of these rules and you have to follow them it was as close as you could get from like to uwfi rules but then once like you have like you're established like your danielson and your mcginnis and all those guys then you can always bring someone who cheats in the pure rules match and it was like nuclear heat because you are breaking the sanctity 
of the pure rules title and it meant yeah. so much back then and and that's that's i think why a lot of people really liked ring of honor back then because they really established themselves as we are uh, a promotion about wrestling and honor and we do things right and mm-hmm. and it gave so much to the villains and the heels to work with it's just it's, it's such a smart thing because it's just like you said just even the handshake it's such a simple way such a simple tool for the wrestlers to tell the story and you know it's just the more tools the more rules the more tools there's a, there's put that on a t-shirt <laughs> the more tools you can put in the wrestlers hands they're gonna if they're good and a lot of the guys in ring of honor are they can make it work the other guy the other thing i wanted to point out from ring of honor because i haven't had a chance to gush about him yet dan Housen Oof. is great in ring of honor and i did not care look i know <laughs> i appreciate the hustle when it comes to Dan Housen, but I didn't think much of him, you know, in ring. Um, his matches in Ring of Honor are a real highlight for me. I, I he made a really smart decision going there. I don't know what other offers or opportunities were out there for him. It's the perfect place for him. He stands out. He still gets to wrestle, um, and they're. I, I think they're doing a really good job using him, and he is doing a great job too. So I just wanted to mention him real quick. I'm not a fan of Dan Housen uh, or his crop of wrestlers that got over because of the hustle. Uh, you know, your it's, war- it's hard for me to hate on him. Like I, I know what I, you're talking about, and I, I and, and believe me, you're not the only one. Yeah, and, and it's fair. But I'm at a point where, like, you know, how I I understand why they why Dan Housen and the rest of you know. His, I don't know how, how what, what can we say? The, the rest of his, the, you know, the, the meme, meme wrestlers, the rest yeah, the of meme. the meme wrestlers. I understand why they did what they did with yeah. their careers, why they did that. You know, what the hell are they supposed to do? You know, I, I their trunks for the rest of their life, they can't do it, you know? And I understand so. why they're popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I respect the hustle. <laughs> I just, I don't know, like they're just not my thing, uh, especially Dan Housen. I get tired of him as soon as he comes up on screen. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I can definitely agree with that one. <laughs> I, you know what? I, I understand. Uh, and I'm not going to tell you that you need to go check out Dan Housen versus Rhett Titus on YouTube, but I enjoyed it. And I couldn't believe I enjoyed it because I didn't think that was going to happen. Um, but they did it. Um, uh, before I let you go. Sure. I just got to ask you one more question. Is there anything nice you want to say about WWE right now? Ooh. I'm going to ask you a very loaded question. Uh, something nice that I can say about them. Ooh, man, this is a hard one. I, I don't know I if was, I could answer that question. So I, I was, I'm very unfair to you, but. Yeah, no, no, no. Like I was actually, uh, the last time that I was in with the Mayhem show, I wasn't sure exactly what we were going to talk about. <laughs> And so I figured I need to go back and, and figure out when was the last time, the last match that I saw of uh, WWE. And that was April 1st, 2016, NXT Jesus. TakeOver Dallas. Uh, that was the last time I saw a full show, a full batch of WWE. Uh, 2016, for moral reasons, I stopped uh, supporting the Fed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess if there's anything good that they're doing is that they're paying a lot of people money. And I hope that every single wrestler and employee of that company becomes a millionaire 
and then they can go and wrestle for someone else. <laughs> it's been happening more often lately, so that's that's nice to yeah. see. Um, I, all right, so I don't forget. Uh, why don't you run through uh, all your goods, where Ooh. people can find you, what you've been up to, because uh, you got so many good things going on. So what I've been up to is I started. Uh, I think like everyone else during the pandemic, I started a podcast, uh, a solo podcast called WRPX. It's on Spotify and iTunes, or you can go to wrpxpodcast.com. It is usually an hour just talking about whatever show that I watch during the weekend. It It is 99% Japanese promotions. So if you want to get into Tokyo Joshi or, or stuff like that, you can definitely check them out. Like this week, I just uploaded last night uh, a show about gayism, uh, which was marvelous and Sendai girls working together for a show. And the second round of the King of DDT. And yeah, I also try to promote as much as I can of Impact. I used to do a full recap of Impact, but because they changed times, like they screwed up my schedule. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so wait, are you uh, telling me you shuttered the impact traffic report? Now, yeah, now we're doing the impact forecast. Okay, even better. <laughs> oh my goodness, See, that's what I get for missing a couple of weeks of your podcast. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, like, if I wanted to talk about the previous show, it would have been like many days in like after. So I didn't really see a point. I'd rather just promote whatever's going to happen on the next Thursday. Uh, so in addition to WRPX, I still have. The wrestlingrevolution.com where I just do I have like the written versions of every show that I talk on WRPX so sometimes you'll find more information on the written version because I don't like the ratings for instance I don't necessarily mention them I am right now the live coverage guy for impact for figure 4w online uh, the, that, that place with the wrestling observer and <laughs> that, that's pretty much it like those are my three main things that I've been working on uh, for the last couple of years, uh, Twitter, DW Revolution, same as always. Uh, you can find me complaining there every day. I love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's always something new. There's always um, something to complain about. <laughs> but hey, hey I, I just want to publicly say, I think the podcast is great. I really Thank enjoy you. watching it. I'm sorry I've missed the last couple of weeks. Oh, no, no. But no. Uh, I love listening to podcasts like yours. Um, educating me about what's happening in the rest of the world getting on the fringes we need more of that we need to get into the fringes because <clears throat> the mainline stuff not always so hot so but impact's yeah. okay impact's doing great but um yeah, yeah, yeah we gotta... it, it, impact doesn't feel like the main line anymore <laughs> <laughs> but uh i mean there I, I don't know how you how, how you structure this you know this u.s wrestling scene anymore it's just it's so wild just yeah. watching these folks just teasing you know that something even you know who's gonna you know that all this moving around stuff it's fun but it's crazy so anyway um hey thanks for uh, hanging out with me tonight i appreciate it of course thank you for having me big thanks to garza for joining us for this podcast and while i have you let me tell you a little bit more about just pro wrestling news five minutes or less every morning we get you caught up on the biggest happenings across the world of professional wrestling you see the uh, apps there at the bottom of your screen please check it out rate review subscribe if you haven't already and hit the notification bell so you don't miss the updates when they hit your podcast feed every single morning i'm matt carlins thanks a lot for listening 
This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.